The Lord is good, his mercy, and do it forever. Amen. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, and we're going to start reading with verse number 12. You don't wait till you get there. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I just hope you're ready for what God wants to do. Second Corinthians chapter number 3, verse number 12. Amen. We're going to read that down to verse number 18. Then you can take your seats. Are you there? Amen. All right, let's read together. Seeing then we have such great hope, we use great plainness of speech. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses was put a veil of his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their mind were blinded, for until this day remained the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even until this day, when Moses read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now, the Lord is their spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open faith, as beholding in the glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. So how you change is where we're headed to. The Bible told us how we are changed. We are changed into the same image. From glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. You can take your seat. So, Father, we thank you now for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding. Now, Lord, we bless you. We praise you. We appreciate you. We adore you. And we give you all the credit. All the praise, all the glory for who we are and what you have done for us. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the church says, amen. 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 Thank God for his precious blood. Thank God for his precious name. Amen. All right. Now, what we want to do today is we want to continue. Otherwise, we want to add information uh, to what you already have. My job is to inform you. My job is to make sure that you are not, as Paul talked about, ignorant. To be ignorant means lack of knowledge. That's all it is. That means you don't know. And all of us have some areas in our lives where we need the Lord to work on us. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, in this, what we've been talking about, we are in part five and six today. And we're working on a series And this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's what we've been dealing with. I want you to say it with me. The ministry ministry of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Now, we talked about this, but we talked about it as the administration. The word administration is the same thing as ministry. That's why each part of the Godhead, let's go to 1 Corinthians while you're there in chapter 12. Let's back up. I'm going to give you my subject now. And for we can work on it. So we're going to talk about the day when the veil is taken away. Now, we already talked about, on the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we talked about the Lord is that spirit. Say that with me. The Lord, the Lord 
is that spirit. Right. The second thing we talked about is when I say the Lord, that spirit, and you already have the spirit, and the Lord, that spirit, then you can't be in here waiting on the Lord. If you just heard what I said. The Lord is that spirit. And what the spirit of the Lord is, not coming, but what the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. All right. Now, we're going to get to some more of that. But what we want to do today is we want to move into what the last week we talked about. Lord is on the screen. Lord, take away my veil. And I showed you as a marriage, when a man comes to this altar with his wife, she has a veil. I'm talking about 18, 19, 20 years old. They usually wear the veil. All right. The veil means pure. In the word, the veil means a covering, which is the same thing. And the veil is supposed to say that I have never known this man. But when I come to the altar, I'm going to be married to him, so he's going to take away my veil. See, Paul talked about that in Corinth, the covering. The woman not to cover her head and man, I'm sorry, the woman is to cover her head, her hair, her covering. And he talked about the man is not to cover his head. I'm quite sure you heard all that, right? But that's what the veil was. So the day, the day we're going to talk about when the veil is taken away. Last week we asked the Lord, Lord, take away our veil. So we want to make sure that the Lord has taken away your veil. Nobody can take the veil away but the Lord. When the, when the veil is taken away, you move into the spirit of understanding. Remember, we've taught on these things in the storehouse uh, that God will give us the spirit of wisdom. God will give us the revelation and knowledge of him. And then the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened. Well, none of that can happen until he moves the veil. This is why people can go to church every Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and they never can see what's going on. They never can understand what's going on because... They are veiled. The heart is veiled. The eyes are covered. So that's why we used to have songs like, I open the eyes, open the eyes of my understanding, Lord, open. You know, that's why all those things are like that. Okay, those are just songs. Now, but it's a reality. So we're talking about the day when the veil is taken away. What happens when the veil is taken away? And that's what we want to get into now. Now, first I said I was going to show you something. I'm going to do that. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you get into the ministry, administration of the Spirit. I keep saying this administration of the Spirit because, first of all, the Father worked, and I'm going to go back to Genesis, I'm going to show you. See, the Bible is divided into three portions. It's a ministry that you'll see the Father has done, and then the Father's going to send the Son, and then the ministry in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Son did, and then after you get to the book of Romans, it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. See, you're moving on into the seeing the, the whole ministry, because the whole thing they said was in Genesis is let us make man. In our image, after our own likeness, let them have dominion. You see, so God began making man in Genesis. God finished making man on the cross. I'm saying things, hopefully 
Because first of all, there's only one man. But he began, he had to first make the natural man, the physical man, Adam, so he could put the spiritual man in. That's why the first man was not dirt, the first man was soul. So if you do not have a soul, then God could not give you his spirit. Where did God put his spirit? In your soul. So God had to make, create the man first. See, the dirt, on the dirt, on the dirt was to house the soul. See, he's a potter. You have to think of wood pottery. See, and now he's able to put your spirit in your soul. And you become a new creation. First, you was a creation soul, remember? Now you're a new creation. Right. That's what it means, a new creation. All right. So when a man do not have the spirit, a woman do have, not have the spirit, they're still old creation. So look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, in verse 12, in verse 1, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 12 and 1. The apostle Paul make mention of this word all the way through his teaching. Now concerning spiritual gift, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. See, that word you're going to see through Paul all the way through. Ignorant means you haven't been taught. So my responsibility is to make sure that the people I pastor is not ignorant. Because when you go out here and start talking to other people, there are people who know the Bible for their tradition and religion, but they don't know how to rightly divide the word of truth. So when they find somebody like you who know how to say, that's not right. That's religion. See, religion only edifies the church that preaches it. Every church has their own religion if they don't get rid of it. And that's what makes the word of God an effect. The Bible calls it because of tradition. It makes the word of God a non-effect. All right, now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the first thing he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles. See, you're not Gentiles anymore. You were Gentiles carried away unto those dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God called Jesus Christ a curse, and that no man can say that Jesus Christ is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. So you don't know he's Lord yet, except you have the Holy Spirit. Then he's going to go into verse number four. He said, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. So he's going to tell you, verse four, say the same Spirit. Say it with me, the same Spirit. So otherwise, all the gifts of the Spirit are operated by the Holy Spirit. Not as you will, but as he will. Then in verse 5, and there are diversities of administration. So you see that word administrations. That's the same thing as ministries. See, there are different ministries, but the same Lord. Now in verse number 4, if you look at the screen, it says same Spirit. That's what you ought to understand. See, same spirit, verse 4. Verse 5 then says same spirit. Verse 5 says same Lord. And then in verse 6 it says, and there are diversities of operation but the same God. Who see the difference? You see the same spirit. You see the same Lord. You see the same God. So when it gets, when it gets to the Godhead, the Father is God. The Son is Lord. And the Holy Ghost is the Spirit. So you have to understand that. Now, 
that's how the Bible was written. That's why you see in, in Genesis, when I go back to Genesis, it says, in the beginning, God. You didn't see the word Lord until man messed up. You'll catch on to me later. All right, now in verse number uh, six, it says, in 1 Corinthians 12, 6, and there are diversions of operation, but the same God, which worketh all in all. Now, otherwise, the Godhead works in us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But in verse 7, there's a verse that said, but the manifestation of the Spirit. See, you have to understand this, the, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man for a purpose, and that's the prophet. So if you don't know what the manifestation of the Spirit, first he told you already the same Spirit, verse 4. He gave you all the gifts of the Spirit. Then he says in verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit. So how do I know when the Spirit has manifested himself in this service? I know because when I see somebody get healed, I know nobody could do it. So it had to be a manifestation of the Spirit. Amen. Do everybody understand what you're what you watching in the church? So in church, now there are a lot of stuff goes on in the church where people think they're in the Spirit, they're not. They're just out of order, ignorant. You're going to see a lot of that. Because see, in my next teaching, I'm going to get into some of that. When you get somebody to get up in the church and say, I just heard the Spirit of God said, and then so-and-so, so-and-so is going to happen here, and this is what's going to happen here, and they go back and sit down, and people just clap. You are out of order. Sit down. <laughs> now, how do I know I know what I'm talking about? Because the Spirit of God did that before you had the final word. For the, word, for the Bible is finished, that's what they operated in. They operated in the people in the church speaking the word in the church. That's how the Holy Ghost worked. But now we got the word. God doesn't speak from there here. God speaks from here there. See, if you understand what I just got through saying, but that's how it was in the church. That's why Paul says a woman is not to speak in the church. That's what he was talking about. When Paul went and gave order, which I'm going to be getting into that teaching coming up, and it's going to be coming up, but we got to get the veil removed. Amen. Somebody said, when the veil is taken away. When See, when people don't know what they're doing in churches, they're veiled. So they feel like this is... This is how God is going to encourage the church. Now, here's a pastor sitting up here been working on the word all week long, and somebody in the audience is going to get up and tell the church what the Lord said. If you can just think a little bit. You know God don't work like that. It happened like that before we have the word. When, before we had the completion of the word. Now we got the Bible. We got the completion of the word. So we don't need the people in the churches. By the Spirit to do it. They did it everything by the Spirit. That's why Paul talked about, when I get to that, I'm going to show you all those things has passed away. And now we have three things in the church now. And that's faith and love. How many? I thought y'all know three things. Y'all know the three things? Faith, hope, and love. There's not but three things. Why? Because that's what, where we're at now. That's why Paul, when he came and he taught that, he says, all these things are fine, but if you don't have love, it's not going to profit you. So we're going to get to all of that. We're going to show you how all that operates. 
uh, in the spirit. See, all those gifts in the spirit now have been boiled down to three, and that's faith, hope, and love. It does not mean that God don't heal today. It does not mean that God don't save it. God does all those things, but, there, but we have to understand everything is done decent in order. And we have to learn that if we're going to work with the Holy Spirit. All right, because if it's not order, he's not in it. All right, now, so the first thing I want to show you is when the veil is taken away, I want to go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 14 through 17. What the first thing happened when the veil is taken away? When the veil is taken away, number one, you will be led by the Spirit. That's when the veil is taken away. So we're going to go to Romans 8, 14 through 17. And then we're going to show you in that same teaching, when the veil is taken away, you know you are a son of God. So I'm giving you two at one time. When the veil is taken away, you're going to know you have the Spirit. See, your people go to church all their life, but they don't know they have the Spirit. That's why, Paul, that's why Jesus says in his gospel, when the spirit of truth is come. So how, do you know the spirit of truth has come yet? So he says, when the spirit of truth has come, watch this, he will teach you all things. Amen. So you have to be open and honest with your own self to know, am I being taught by the Holy Spirit? Not just my pastor. My pastor is giving me the word that the spirit is going to teach me. Let me say it again. The pastor is giving me the word that the spirit wants to teach me. That's why I tell you to get the tape, get the CD from the storehouse so you can go in, so you can take the tape, the CD, like I do every week. I listened last night before I went to sleep last night, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, I go to bed very early on Saturdays. And I want to listen to both of those tapes before I go to bed because I want, I study all day on my message, but I, I listened to last week's tape because my directions for my next message is always in the message that I just left. So that's what you have to understand how the word goes, okay? Now, Romans chapter 8, verse 14 through 17, uh, we're going to go there first because we're going to show you that once the veil is taken away, you're led by the Spirit. This is one of the greatest things that I believe that people do not understand is how to be led by the Spirit. If you listen to people, you will know they're not being led by the Spirit because they still have their own plans. They still tell you what they're going to do. You got to understand, that don't work like that no more. You've been bought with a price. Let me show you that first, okay? Let's go back there first. Let's go back. We're going we to go to Romans 8 now. Uh, let's do this while we're here. Let's do that. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 uh, through 17. Then when we leave here, we'll go back and we'll show you something because when you're led by the Spirit of God, you, you have to know it's the Holy Spirit that, they give you instructions and tell you what to do and where to go. All this is by the Holy Spirit. But when you come out and say what you're going to do, you have to, you have to understand 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to look at that 16, 17 when I get there. Okay, but write that down because we go next, right? All right, now we're going to go to uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Let's, let's, let's pick it up. For as many are as led by the Spirit of God. So when you get, when the veil is taken away, watch what it says. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So how do you determine that you are a son of God? It's because you're led by the Spirit of God. See, that's the difference in a person that's not saved. A person that's not saved, 
go where they want to go, do what they want to do. They already tell you, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. They don't, they, don't, they don't know what the spirit will is for their life. They just already want to do something that they've been saying they're going to do for the last 20 years. See, the thing about it, you need to shut that down and be able to say, Lord, what do you will me to do? What is your will for my life? See, I, I keep saying little, little nuggets, and I, and I say that, but not, not to, because I can't use nobody else. I have to use my own life because God sent me, I thought, to Pontiac, but now I realize he called me here. He called me to Pontiac. Now, now, he, now watch, my, my son... Uh, uh, asked me this question. Uh, he used it as one of his iPod teaching, is the wisdom from his father. But he called me, he said, Dad, I need to know, uh, do I need to go back to, because uh, General Motors, they can transfer, put in transfer, and they get tired of working at one plant, that kind of stuff. So he said, I want to know about transfer, and I got my transfer here, I had put in for, but I want to get my transfer uh, well, the transfer is me to go to back to Texas. Uh, but I just got a good job, better than I ever had in my life. And I want to ask you, I need some counsel here. Do I just leave this and just go on? What? I said, son, always prosperity go with the right counsel. You got to understand something. When you're led by the Spirit, you never have to be worried about your needs being met. If you're led by the Spirit. Now, he could have just said, you know what, Dad? I know God just gave me this good job, better job I ever had in my life. As a matter of fact, I don't even know how, why I got it, how I got it. But I know God gave it to me. And now I say to him, I, I, I'm going to say this, he leads you as he prospers you. So you have to understand, I says, has, has God met all your needs, Earl? Yes. Do you lack anything? No. Why do you want to leave that? See, what we do is, God put, see, God's called me to Pontiac. Now, since I've been here, we have not lacked nothing. I always talk to my wife about that. I'm not here to put down nobody. I'm just here to share my, my life. And, my, and God has given us everything that our heart has desired. I'm talking about whatever we wanted. I mean, we've been driving new cars all my life. My children have been driving new cars all their life since they were old enough to drive. They, when they let me know they can drive a new car, then I get them a good car. When I know they want, they ready, okay? But all my children, 18 years old, something like that, they all had new cars. My wife and I made sure of that. But we did that because we wanted to teach them something, not just brag, but to teach them how to start off their children with something they can, they can, they can control. Nothing, don't get yourself in a lot of debt. So they come home and say, Mama, I, bang, I banged this bumper, I banged it. I'm going to be like, okay, we don't want you to bang it. Are you okay? You know what I mean? Because you can drive with the bang for a while. So that lets you know we didn't get you the good one right now. But when you stop banging, we can move up. All right, but that's what that's about. But anyway... I noticed my life with God, my wife and I, we've seen this. And then I know God called me here. When I came here, the same week I came here, I was employed before the week was out. I came like Wednesday, Thursdays I already had a job at General Motors. So I, we never lacked nothing. 
we went right into buying a house. We probably had five or six houses, something like that, since we've been here, maybe seven, eight uh, different moves. But I'm just saying, I began to see how God do Every time we needed another place, God was right there. See? We've been through the things. Just like people on strike right now for General Motors, we went on strike for three months. And we had $35 that they gave us per week to walk picket, and then they gave me $65 for food stamp. But we never lacked nothing. I'm just showing you, out of everything that we had to go through, God still took care of us. So you have to understand that. So when you're going to do something and the Holy Spirit is taking care of you, you there, there's no lack, all your needs met, I mean, you, you see everything. Then I always say to people this, uh, one of the greatest things I fear is when God has done something in your life miraculously, a miracle, like healing. When God has done something like that in your life, you don't move quickly. Because God has done something in your life that nobody else could have done, he has given you a miracle. And you have to understand that when you are sitting under the right word, then you have the right soil for the miracle God can give in your life. You don't, people don't, people don't understand that. People just want to move. You don't understand that. See, you don't understand. I've seen it happen in people's lives. And that's why I always tell people, always you must make sure that you remain where God put you. Amen. You have to stand, you have to someday stand up and say, look, did God put me here? See, I can want to go, I can, I, can, I can move to wherever I want to move at right now as a pastor. I'm a senior pastor. But I know God called me here. So why would I want to go somewhere else? I know he called me here. He takes care of me. He meets my needs. And so I got to be able to understand that's how God leads and guides. So they that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. See, so many people don't understand. You go back in the Bible, you can see this happen. I, I, I like to talk about Lot because I saw God led Lot, put Lot with Abraham. And Abraham was a person who had everything that God, he walked with God, he talked with God. And so he was in the will of God. So the best place for Lot to be was with Abraham. Because Abraham walked with God. Abraham talked with God. God was called the friend of Abraham. So whatever he would do, he would always tell Abraham. So I, I, Lot was with him, but you know what? Lot couldn't stay. Because Lot had his own vision. See, that's what happened with Lot. He went on his own vision, and, and he stayed in trouble. You watch Lot through his whole life, he stayed in trouble. He ended up going somewhere he didn't supposed to be. He liked to get killed. He ended up going to another place, like got killed. He lost his wife. He... he he ended up having t children by his daughters. I mean, you just go back and look at his life, whole life messed up. That's what I always tell people, you know, you, you're out of the will of God. See, you can go to this church and nobody would look at your wife and husband. You can end up at the wrong church and you can't keep your wife and husband. What in the world going on? See, that's what I'm saying. You need to make sure you're where God wants you to be at for he can take care of you. Not only that, he can take care of your children. 
I have personally said this to people who had children. And I say, you have children right now. Yeah, I know. We're going to be okay. Tears flow out of my eyes when I saw what happened to those families. All I'm saying is because it's just like we just got to go. We just got to go somewhere. No, listen, you need to sit down and sit down and say, Lord, where did you call me to? Did you call me to do a faith? This is where I need to be. And I need to get, I need to get over it. Amen. See, it doesn't mean that I can't go visit somewhere. I don't mean I can't have me a place somewhere where I can go spend a few months, but I know where I belong. Amen. See, Abraham, Isaac, those people, when you go back and study their lives, Jacob, Jacob, the same way, when he, when he, was, when he first met God, he says whenever he go and he's coming back to this place, and I'm going to build you a church. He built the place Bethel. You got to know what God told you to do. You, you, just can't, you just can't go on something you want to do. That's why the Bible says you got to count the cost. See, it's going to cost you. You got to know, you got to know your cost. Somebody say amen. Every decision you make, you got to sit down and count the cost. See, if God is already doing what he's doing in your life, so much until over and above, then you got to understand to walk away. Then you got to turn around and say, Lord, is this you? See, that's all. So, my, so when I talk about led by the Spirit, now, let's go back to Romans 8. I didn't mean to frighten you anything like that. I just want to stop there and talk a little bit because it's very important. It's very important to make a, a, a different decision. Now, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That's very important. So one, one of the things that God has to do is when he lead and guide you, he has to take the veil away. Because he's doing the leading, he's doing the guiding. He's a father. So when you make spiritual decisions, please talk to your father. Don't just, tell, don't just tell him what you want to do. Let him tell you what he wants you to do. Amen. Amen. That's very important. All right. All right. Now, look at the next verse. Verse 15 says, You have not received the spirit of abundance again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now, I'm going to deal with that a little later on, but I just want to deal with that, that part. Let's go, to, let's go to Galatia. I'll come back there some, sometime here. But let's go to Galatia chapter 5. Yeah, we're going to do the first Corinthians 3, I said, right? 16. And then we go to Galatia. I want to show you something else in Galatia to go with that. Uh, but first Corinthians chapter 3. See, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, this is why Paul said to them in verse number 16. Are you there? He said, no, you're not, that you are the temple of a living God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. He said, if any man defile the temple of God, him God shall destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. He, he reminded them that you are the temple of God. Now, I put that in there because 
because you are the temple of God, you have to know where God wants his temple. Just want you to think. In Israel, they only had the temple one place. Do anybody remember where they built the temple? It's not hard. Some of y'all know, but you feel to say so. In Jerusalem is the place of the temple. That was what they did. You couldn't have no temple anywhere you want to have a temple. The temple had to be built in Jerusalem. Understand that? Now, we are temples of God. So we have to make sure that God places us where he wants us. Remember, he's the one who built the house, not us. Okay. Now, let's go back to Galatia. In Galatians chapter number 5, I want to show you a verse there. In Galatians chapter number 5, in verse 16 and 17, 18, those three verses, 16, 17, 18, let's back up. It says, this I say, Paul said, walk in the spirit, you should not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit, you should not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And the Bible said these are contrary one to the other. So you cannot do the thing that you would. So otherwise, when you make a decision to do something in the spirit realm, you would have oppositions in the flesh realm. Got to understand that. Flesh is going to come against you when you make a, a spiritual decision. But then the next very next verse told you how to know that you're sons of God again. He said, but if you be led of the spirit, you are not under law. So the only thing that can get you f from underneath the veil, see that's what the law is, the veil, is to be led of the spirit. Because if you're not led of the spirit, you will be blinded. And I believe that's really what happened to Lot. Because Lot means the veil. Now, in let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we're going to show you something that the Apostle Paul said. We're moving towards our message. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, we write there chapter, chapter 3, but let's go to chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and Paul says in verse number 3, you know, I'm going to take, do those first two verses so we don't have to start in the middle. Because I like these words, seeing, always seeing, always seeing, it's what we own right now. When the veil is moved, you can see. See? The veil got to be, be taken away. Therefore, seeing, we have this ministry. Paul said, therefore, seeing, we have this ministry. As we have received mercy, we faint not. And then it says, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, not having the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, Commending ourselves and every man conscience. Commending ourselves, you have responsibility to another man conscience. So every decision you make, you got a responsibility to another man conscience. Every man conscience in the sight of God. Commending ourselves, every man conscience in, in, the, in the sight of God. But, he said, but if our gospel be hid... It hid for them that are lost. So you got to understand something. There are people who are lost that God want to use you to come to the light. Amen. So when you just say, 
well, you know what, I'll just do this. I don't want the temple to be in Jerusalem. I want my temple to be somewhere else. And then God said, well, how the person that I'm going to be sitting there going to ever see the light? Why do you think God put you where he put you? Why were you able to get where you got? Somebody say amen. amen. Now, you must understand how God operates. See, God puts you somewhere because he has somebody who needs the light. Amen. See, the, you don't understand the, the tree, the, the tree of, of, that was in the garden, the, the tree of life in the garden was for Adam and Eve. Now, they didn't get it, they didn't eat it, but it was not God's fault. Because God told them, don't eat the tree of neither good and evil. Look, they could eat of the tree of life and could have lived forever. So you got to understand, you now are a tree of life. And God wants to put you somewhere and establish you there. So you got to understand something. When God puts you somewhere, he wants to what? He wants to establish any tree you plant, you don't move it. Once that tree began to bring forth fruit, you can't mess with it. Amen. You'll kill it, kill the fruit there. So you have to understand when God do something, you got to make sure it's God. Especially when you're bringing forth fruit. Other people are eating off your tree. Other people, see you, 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 you're big now. Other people are being taken care of because of your tree. See, that's why we, that's what we hear, and that's what I heard and, 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 and when I was working at General Motors. I retired from General Motors uh, 1996, but before that, back in 10 years before that, 1986, uh, we got a thing said General Motors is closing its door, the founder is closing. Now, here was the point. All those people working there saw the sign that this company is moving. That was the same year that God said to me, I want you to make up a couple of signs. And I, he showed it to me my dream. I saw it plain and simple, red and white, and I saw what was on it, Jesus for Pontiac and Pontiac for Jesus. I saw that on the sign. I made them up. I got them in my office still. He told me, he said, don't you be moved by what they do. You stand still. You will see the glory of the Lord. So he told me, he said, now what I want you to do is buy the potter field. That's what this church right here. People like, man, what, you're going to buy all this land over here and, and, and General Motors, we're not doing what we're doing because what General Motors is doing. Because what God would do, and if you go study Jeremiah, when he told Jeremiah to buy the potter field, it was a time where Israel was taken into captivity and the land was cheap. <laughs> Nobody wanted to live in Pontiac. God said, build your house, son. Time to build your house. Time to buy. Time to build. Time to build. Time to buy. Because now your house is about to double in equity. See, some of y'all don't know that. See, what your house costs right now is about to get ready to go up so high. But if you didn't buy your house when you bought your house, 
you might not be able to afford your house. You did know Amazon is coming to the Silver Dome, right? Y'all do know Amazon is 1,500 jobs and moving right over here by you. They're building a brand new center, tore down the old Pontiac Mall. All that's going to be new all the way across. Right here in Pontiac. I'm not worried about cross, is it across the street or whatever. I say it's still in Pontiac. <laughs> Pontiac gave it away, but it's still Pontiac for us, I'm concerned. All on this side of the street, right down here from your church. United Shores has how many parkings? 7,200 jobs. Right here, United Shores. 7,200. They had to buy the building across the street that was vacant. And they had to be a, buy all the way down. The general motor had left vacant. They bought all, all the way down. I'm a lying brother. See, making engines. We making engines right now, right over here, right? Jet plane engines. See, some of y'all just don't know. You, you don't understand what God getting ready to do here. So when you say, when you say I'm getting ready to make a move, you about to make sure you about to find out what God doing. Because you might want to be a part of what God doing. And I'm, I'm just throwing out a little few things. But things are about to change. I'm talking about for the better. If you was planning on buying a house, you need to get busy because you may not be able to afford one soon. Okay. Now, led by the Spirit. Now, I want to move on. I gave you Galatians chapter 5. That's why I was verse 16, right? I just got through reading. I'm reading now 2 Corinthians chapter 4, right? And verse number 3 again. Let's go back to 3. So when Paul got this, he said, but if I gossip be the head, it's here for them that are lost. Then he's going to tell you how they were lost. People are lost. How they're lost. They're blinded, okay? Why? In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Now, you have to understand when you say the God of this world, you've got to be able to understand spiritually because that's what the Lord did to me. I said, Lord, I still don't understand this scripture, but as long as I've been teaching it. He said, son, you've got to understand the word little God means spirit. So if you look at the word and say the, the little spirit of this world, the little God of this world, the spirit of this world has blinded the, man, blinded the mind. So he asked me a question. He said, what is the, who is the God of this world? He said, look at it like this. The spirit of this world is what? It's religion. And he said, what is religion? He said, that's the veil. So really, it's the law. Because this world is run by the spirit of the law. Somebody say amen. All right, watch this. The God of this world has blinded the mind. It was the veil that blinded them. That's what he told you in in chapter 3. Israel was blinded. It was the law. So the God of this world, the law, has blinded the mind of them which believe not less. So what the law did was blind the man, blind their eye, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. That's what they don't want you to see. 
There are people who speak against this ministry and we preach the cross of Christ, his death, and resurrection, and still they speak against the ministry. That's all we speak. That's all we preach here is Christ's death, and resurrection. But see, what they, what they speak against us is because we don't serve communion, which is the type and the shatter. We don't do water baptism, which is the type and the shatter. So that means we ain't saved. I thought we were saved by the cross. No, we are saved by the cross, but people get offended because you don't water baptize. Now why? Why are you better than me because you water baptize and I don't? How can you get better than me because you serve communion and I don't? You know why? You think that communion helps in your salvation and it does nothing. It does nothing for your salvation. It does nothing for your soul. It does nothing even when you eat it. It does nothing. You can do that this afternoon at your own house, eat some bread and drink some wine. You're still not going to do nothing, no more than another meal. I'm just telling you the truth. Everything in this Bible, power is, is the cross. Without the cross, you have no power. There's no power in communion. There's no power in water baptism. The power is in the cross. The man who wrote this Bible said, I glory in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. When they came to Paul, trying to tell Paul about water baptism, Paul says, I don't want to know anything among you. Say, Jesus Christ and him crucified. So we have to understand, I, I'm not moved because some people don't like us. My job is to minister the word. My job is to teach the word. I'm not here to please nobody. One man, his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I preach water baptism, I take glory from the cross. When I teach communion, I take glory from the cross. Paul did not do either one. Okay, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he said in verse number four, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, shall shine unto them. Paul said, we preach not ourselves, but we preach Christ Jesus the Lord. That's what we preach. And ourselves, your servant, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Then in verse seven, he said, we have this treasure. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So Paul said we have this power, this treasure in earthen vessels. So we have to understand it. Now, what I want to do today, I want, I want, I want to take this message and I want to take it to another, another level. Go back to 2 Corinthians 3.13, just one verse. We're getting ready to go somewhere. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13. You want to write down the word, the end. See, the only way you're going to see the end, he has to remove the veil. That's why people sitting in the church right now still have not seen the end. They still think at the, when the end comes, Jesus is coming. Because that's what they're taught by the evangelicals. 
2 Corinthians 3.13 is what I'm waiting for. It says, not as Moses was put a veil on his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look. What, what they couldn't look, they couldn't see to the end of that which is about us. They could not see to the end of that which is about us. Now, when Jesus came, let's go to Matthew 24. Let's show you something in verse 1. In Matthew 24, when Jesus came, his disciples are going to begin to ask him these questions. We're going to begin to show you because everybody right now, churches full of people, is wanting to know when is the end going to come. But they don't understand, they don't understand that the end is not a time, the end is a person. In the New Testament, everything is a person. The end is a person. Eternal life is a person. It doesn't make any difference what you teach it on in the New Testament, it's Christ Jesus our Lord. He told them in the Old Testament, he says, search the scripture. You do err, Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine. 29. You do err not knowing the scripture nor the power of God. He told them to search the scripture. You think you have eternal life, but the scriptures are testifying of me. So he's not talking about all the other stuff. Abraham was talking about Christ. Abraham looked to see my day. And they asked Jesus Christ, said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're not even 50 years old. You've seen Abraham? He said, look, whoa. Don't drop your cup. Before Abraham was, I am. Somebody say amen. amen. See, he, you got to understand who he is. He's the one who created Abraham. So the Bible, your Bible is about him. Every letter, every word in your Bible is about one man, that's Christ Jesus. Okay. That's why it's called the word of God. This is the word of God. Amen. All right, let's go to work. 2 Corinthians 3.13 says, they could not see the end of that which was abolished. So in Matthew 24.1, Jesus went out of the temple, departed from the temple. His disciples are going to come and ask him something because everybody want to know the prophecy of Daniel. We're going to go back there and we're going to show you that today. We're going to walk that all the way down uh, to the closing and we're going to start here our next service. And I hope you will be here to be able to be a part of it. Amen? All right, Matthew chapter number 24 and verse number 1. Watch what he says. And Jesus went out of the temple, departed from the temple. His disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. Jesus said to them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say to you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now here's the point. Jesus is telling them he's going to destroy the temple. Now, the reason he had to destroy the temple because his plan was to build a new temple. You have to understand, that's what he came and do. Matthew, if I go back to Matthew 16, uh, let's go show it to you. I'll come back to 24. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13, let's find out what he came and do. In the Gospel of St. Matthew chapter number 13, Matthew chapter number 16, Matthew 16, 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, 
He asked the disciples, said, who do men say I the son of man am? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elias, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, but whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you the Christ, you the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Bless art thou, Simon, by Jonah, flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my Father, which is in heaven. And I say, here it is, and I say to you, Peter, that upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, upon this rock I'll build my church. So his whole plan was to build his temple. And that's why Paul says, no, you're not. You are the temple. Go, go back to John. You haven't seen it yet. Go back to the Gospel of John. See, this is why people deceive because they think the Lord's come to build a temple in Jerusalem. Isn't that something? He's going to come out of glory, the invisible glory, eternity, and come stay in a temple that he's going to build in Jerusalem. You build something in Jerusalem, it's not going to last long because you can only build it out of brick and mortar. You can only build it out of what's here. I don't care if you build it out of gold, silver, it's not going to replace glory. It's not going to replace eternity. Is that right? Now, what did I tell you to go to? Okay, I said John. I didn't tell you what chapter. Okay, let's go to John chapter 2. I'm breaking a new Bible in here, so... Bear with me. In the Gospel of St. John, chapter number 2. Let's start verse number 13. The Gospel of St. John, chapter 2, verse 13. And the Jews' Passover was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And in the temple, he found those that sold ox and sheep and dove and changed the money. And when he had made an end, made a scourge, a small courts, he drove them out of the temple. The sheep, the ox, and poured out the changes of money and, threw, and overthrew the tables. And he said to them that sold dove, take these things here or out of here. Make not my father's house and house of merchandise. Now, what is the father's house? See, if you don't know what the father's house, maybe that's what you have the problem at. Because he says, make not my father's house and house of merchandise. So, let me put it another way. If, that's the, if he's talking about the father's house, it had to be the house where the father lived. I'm just going to help you all out. If it's the father's house, if it's your house, it's got to be the house you live in. Now, you just told me you know where the father lived. I read it to you in 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17 and told you your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Come right over here and show you the father's house and you will look at me like. Because you don't understand that's what the church is, the father's house. You're the body of Christ. Isn't you the place the father lives? Well, you're the father's house. Well, if you're the father's house, then he cannot be building brick and mortar. Okay, let, let, me, let me get back. So in Matthew, they had, they had talked about, uh, 
in verse number one, Matthew 24, Jesus went out of the temple and the Bible said the disciples came to show him the building of the temple. That's Matthew 24, one. Jesus said to them, see you not all these things. Verily I say to you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another shall not be thrown down. Otherwise he's gonna tear down the old temple. Now why is he gonna do that? Is he going to tear down the old temple made with brick and mortar to build another temple made with brick and mortar? Because in the new covenant, I, he told us what the temple is. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I just gave you 1 Corinthians 3. You've got that marked already, I hope. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 6. See, the whole thing is he has to remove the veil. Because if you're still thinking of something natural, you're still veiled. You didn't ask the Lord to move your veil. You still got it on. Amen. God not doing anything naturally today. Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter number uh, 6 and verse 15 or verse 19. I mean, if I can read either one of them. Verse, verse 15 said, No, you're not that your bodies are the members of Christ. Go down and read verse 19. See, you're the body of Christ. You're the members of Christ now, right? All right. Verse 19 says, what? Know you not that you're by the temple of the Holy Ghost? Well, where's the Holy Ghost at? Yeah. And the Holy Ghost come, where are you going to live at? Yeah. And I taught you the Lord is that spirit. Yeah. The Lord and the Holy Ghost is one person. Yeah. So if the Holy Ghost is in you, then the Lord is in his house. Amen. And watch, this is this other part. What know you not that you're by the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and I love this other part, and you are not your own. Now, if you are not your own, you're led by the Spirit. You have no right to say what you're going to do. Because you're not your own. Most people lie in shipwreck because they decided what they're going to do with God's house. I think you're about to ask the Lord. God knows where you want his house. Somebody say amen. And verse number 20 say you were bought with a price. His blood. So he said, look, you glorify God in your body and in your spirit which belongs to him. Amen. See, what happened is we got our own mind made up of what we want to do. We, and then we, we get ourselves in a situation. We don't know what we're doing. Then we said, Lord, help us. You need to ask Lord to help you before you make a dumb decision. Brother, you talking about a man had to have to learn me, this is how I have to live. When God tell you to go build a church, this is what happened here. When God told me to come build, when God told me to come build here, I, I made a made a tape and I gave it to all the people the ministry that I could. And, and, and the first thing people said, Pastor, you I think you miss God. I what? I think you miss God. But nobody ever came back 20 years later and said, Pastor, you know what? You didn't miss God. Because I know I didn't miss God. See, one thing about God, God will lead you and guide you if you would seek him, if you would spend time with him, he will show you what to do. I'm a, I know I'm right about it. Somebody say amen. Go to Romans 10. Go to Romans 10, 4. Now, they could not see the end. 
Now, I'm, I'm going to back all the way back. I'm going I'm to treat you today. Let's go back to, I'm going to give you a verse to show you the end. Then I'm going to go back to Daniel. We're going to walk it down. Matter of fact, let's go to Hebrew 9, 26. Now, make sure you mark this in your Bible now. Hebrew chapter 9, verse 26. So if, if most people, start verse 23, Hebrew 9, 23. Most people do not know that the end is behind them if you're speaking for time's sake because you are not in time. Amen. There's no end of grace. See what happened when Abraham, when God created Adam and Eve, he had to come out of time, out of eternity into time. Let me say it again. When God created Adam, to make a man of this earth, God had to come out of time. See, when Jesus came here, Jesus came from above. He came out of eternity, and he stepped into time. So when Adam made the tree of neither good and evil, he left eternity, and he found himself in time. And then he knew his days were numbered. But as long as Adam was in the spirit realm, there's no time. So for Jesus to save me, he had to leave eternity, or he had to leave eternity and step into time. That's why he told them, I'm not going to be with y'all long. I'm only going to be here three and a half more years. I'm out of here. Where are you going, Lord? I'm going back to eternity. I came to time. I came to time to save you. Because you didn't have much time. And once I save you, I'm leaving out of time and I'm going back into eternity where there's no clock ticking. And the Bible says, and Jesus Christ the same. Yesterday, today, and forever because there's no time in eternity. Can somebody get a Lord praise? In Hebrew 9.23 says, it was therefore necessary that the pattern of those things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifice than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands. Let me say it again. Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands. That's what, the, that's what the evangelical got him going back, got him going back to Jerusalem. They're going to build him a temple. He'll, when the temple is built, he'll come back. Is that right? You can butt your head against that wall all you want to. He's not coming to you, but you can come to him. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Watch this. Christ has not entered to the holy place made with hands, which is a figure's. See, if it's made with hands, I'm natural. It's the figure of the truth, but, the, but in the heaven itself. Christ is entered into heaven itself. And I just told you, the Lord is in his temple. Amen. You didn't get it. I read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and told you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And now this man says he has not entered into the temple made with hands. He entered into heaven once. Well, you got to know your temple has to be heaven. That's where he is. You don't think God is in heaven? You just think he's up there somewhere standing on the 
back in heaven looking over at you. Because that's what you've been told by famous preachers. I know what Christ said. He's in the holy place. And I know the holy place is the church. And I know that's what my, my soul is now, is what Christ lived. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost and God lives in you and you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit which belong to God. Amen. I know what God lives, but see, I, we don't want that. We want, we want to know he's up there, over there, over yonder, and, and going yonder. You ain't see, you can't go nowhere. Watch what the Bible says. Watch what the Bible says. See, this is what the veil is taken away. You'll believe the word. He says, for Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures. If they were made with hands, they're the figure of the truth. That's why he's not on the, t- on the table. That's a figure. Because it's made with hands. He's not in the baptism pool. That's a figure. Why? Because it's made with hands. See, if you can make it with hands, it ain't nothing but a figure. Figurine, figurines. See, all your toys you get on Christmas, name of the figures, Santa Claus is not in that. Ain't no Santa Claus. That's a man figurine. Amen? Minister Wade bought his children that stuff. Ain't that done right, brother? Santa Claus didn't get Brother David. Man, Santa Claus ain't bought me nothing. If you waiting for Santa Claus to fill up your stockings, you in trouble. I know what my Bible said, but my God. Ain't that right? I know how I got what I got. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights and whom no variable need a shadow turning. I know my Father takes care of me. He gives me divine protection. He gives me divine grace. He gives me divine prosperity. Everything I get comes from the Lord. So don't lie to your children about no stupid Santa Claus. Amen. Don't lie to them just because somebody lied to you. Right. Tell people the truth. Amen. I'm your Santa Claus. Amen. 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 And I'm not coming down no chimneys for you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We driving, we driving, we driving uh, uh, Mercedes Benz now. I ain't gonna mess with that. <laughs> Sister Judy, I'm not gonna mess with that, okay? It says, For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands. That's a figure of the truth. But in the heaven itself, that means your soul got to be the place where God lived. It's the new heaven. Amen. Mm-hmm. He made a created, he created a new heaven, didn't he? Yeah. You just gotta know what the new heaven is. Now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest into the holy place every year with the blood of others. Here it is, verse 26. For then, then must he offer himself since the foundation of the world. Here we go. But now, once in the end of the world. Wait a minute. I thought the end of the world's coming. That's what I'm trying to tell you. You got to take the veil off. Bump somebody say, take that veil off. Take that veil. Right. Once in the end of the world, hath. What is hath? What tense is hath? 
if you had done something, that's past tense. Once in the end of the world, hath. Has he appealed to put away sin? Well, he's not putting away sin in your future. He put away sin in your past. He hath put away sin. One time, forever. See, you got to understand something. The, the end of the world is not in your future. The end of the world happened at the cross. The end of the world means the end of natural things. The end of the world means the end of all things. End of all old things, natural things, physical things. You don't need that to please God no more. You got to have faith at the cross. Amen. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He that cometh to God must believe that God is, and He's a reward of them that diligently seek Him. You can't not use goats and lambs and bulls and turtle doves and pigeons to please God no more. You just can't get over here and cry, and I cried until I found the Lord. You can get off your knees and stop crying. You have to use your faith now. Amen. You got to believe God. Yes. Take God as his word. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Hebrew 9, 26 says, Then must yet often suffer since the foundation of the world. Foundation of the world happened with Adam. But now... Once in the end of the world, so he gave you the foundation of the world, it's when God created Adam. Now the end of the world is when Christ died. Once in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Well, he's not going to put away sin in your future. He hath, he hath put away sin. That was the end of the world. My time is up. I thank you for yours. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.